Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. Truth. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence by the military-industrial complex. Are the Bible's prophecies today's reality? This could be the sign that signals the return of Christ. World leaders are working behind the curtains. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. Secret societies, secret oaths, secret proceedings. Now, get ready for an hour of truth that will make you think. We'll examine Bible prophecy and see how close we are to the return of Jesus Christ for His church. You're in the zone. Politics, Israel, the Middle East, the revised European superstate, and more. All in the zone. This is the Prophecy Zone with your host, Phil Armstrong. Zone. My name is Christine Wyke, and we are going through the book of Revelation verse by verse, and we are up to part two of doing the first chapter of Revelation. If you would like to see or listen to part one, which is the beginning of chapter one, then it is in the archives. So feel free to go around there, and I'm sure you will find it. It is uh, hosted by me again, and as we continue here, we're going to start at Revelation 1, verse 12. Now, I'm using the NIV version here. I did pick this one because it is found in most churches, and I know many of you are King James followers, and that's okay too, but it's a little more in the older styled language, and I like to use the NIV because it's a little closer to how we speak today. Um, Absolutely... uh, No offense taken to those who believe in the King James as the original written text, but I will be using the NIV in our studies here. Going through the book of Revelation here, you will find that as you work with me, I see it more simply, more of a literal explanation of uh, the book of Revelation. But uh, we're going to get to a part here in this next uh, segment that, is not going to be able to be taken literally, because if you do, it does not make sense. So I say that in this way. Let's interpret Revelation in a simple way. Take it literally, as long as that makes common sense. If the literal version does not make common sense, seek another sense. And you're going to find that here with this verses uh, starting at number 12. Here we go. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. Now remember, when John was worshiping, this is 
kind of revamping a little bit from the first episode and part one. The voice that John was hearing was obviously very loud. John describes it as a trumpet blast. This was like a, hey, John. And, of course, with being on the radio here, I can't yell that into the phone. But you can imagine this is an attention getter. It was something that was needed because maybe it says John was in the spirit. He was worshiping on his Lord's Day. Chances are he was singing at the top of his lungs, and the only way to get his attention was to yell like a trumpet blast. So this is very unique here because Jesus does not come softly here. Um, Jesus comes very uh, noisily. I guess that's not a a right word to say, but just very attention-getting. In other words, hey, I need your attention. Stop what you're doing right now and turn around and look at me was pretty much the verbiage I think that John was trying to portray when he said he heard a trumpet blast. When I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. Now, we'll know what those are as we get further into the text. Among the lampstands was someone like a son of man. Now, obviously it was a person. It was not like a extremely bright light that he could not recognize it. Um, it wasn't like uh, what the Saul or turned Apostle Paul had seen when he seen a bright light and was blinded by it, and then he heard the voice that described who it was. John sees a person. So obviously it's in glory because you'll see here that he has a, a glorified type of figure, but he notices this is a person. And when him being in solitary confinement, this was unusual because he probably only seen the guard maybe through a passing hole in the wall or whatever. But for him to catch a person was very unique. So this not only startled John with the sound, but it startles John with the actual person of somebody else standing there. Now, son of man. It was somebody that looked like Jesus. Now, understand this. John is in his 80s. He had not seen Jesus for 50-some years. Jesus had changed, and we'll see how he's changed with the next descriptions here. But, you know, John remembers Christ as his human form upon the earth, and this looked like Jesus, but it, it was different. And here comes the description. Dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. This is very important here. You need to understand what this meant to John. The typical person, or you would say the common citizen that John hung around with, or John was himself, was dressed accordingly to a robe that went to the knees or to the ankles um, or below the knee. It never reached to the ground. That was a type of garment that was worn by those in authority. The emperors wore them to the ground. Um, The Pharisees, the scribes, they also wore them down to their feet. It was a signal of authority. And the golden sash across the chest emphasized this. This would be somebody that we would see today If you had somebody speaking behind you, let's say in a very common place such as McDonald's, and you would turn around and you would see a general from the the, uh, military 
or a commanding officer from the military dressed behind you in the full uniform, complete with the pins and the brass and the hat. And, um, you know, you would look and say, oh, there was attention. It's the garment. It wasn't the person. It was what the garment was that they were wearing that brings you to your attention. And this is the garment that Jesus has. It's one of authority. It's one of intelligence. And the golden sash presented, I am somebody important. His hair, uh, his head and hair were white like wool, white as snow. This tells me, this definitely looked different than Jesus. You can understand that. Um, maybe Jesus had brown or dark brown or black hair, but uh, and that's only from the pictures we see of Jesus. But here, it is white as snow. So it teaches us that Jesus had a sign of maturity here. Um, he has aged, but yet not aged. Um, he has become more mature. He's more glorified here. And those who had white hair in John's time, as in today's time, were those who were respected for their wisdom because they lived longer. His eyes were like blazing fire. Now, this is going to be mentioned again later. I'm going to bring this up again later. This does not mean his eyes were protruding out with flames. No. What this means is that Jesus has got something on his mind. He's angry about something. And it's not really directed at John, but that's why John falls to his feet. He has an anger in his eyes, very similar than if you were in an argument with your father as a teenager and uh, you were got a little bit mouthy and you called your father a very nasty name. Before you got probably the cuff upside the back of the head or a good weapon, <laughs> I would have got it probably uh, very strongly with the back of my father's hand. But the eyes would immediately go to flames of fire, extremely angry, and you're about to hear something. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace. Again, here's a picture of what John would recognize as feet of an idol. Now, notice the feet are seen, so the ankles aren't because the rope goes down to his feet. But his feet are shown, and John knew bronze as being somebody that was encased in a statue. The emperors were probably this way. So that would mean to me that Jesus was unmoving on this subject, that he has something to say, and he's not going to be convinced of anything else otherwise. And I believe that's the indication here. His voice was the sound of rushing waters. Um, yeah, just very pronounced, very godlike. In his right hand, he held seven stars. We'll catch that later also. And out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. Again, this is not a sword coming out of the mouth of Jesus. Pay attention here. This is where something literal does not make common sense. To have a sword coming out of somebody's mouth, let alone fire coming out of somebody's eyes, I just, no. And when I see pictures of Jesus in his revelation appearance in pictures, and I see a sword coming out of the mouth, and it's not accurate. That's not what Jesus is trying to portray here in what John is writing. What he is saying is that when somebody's got a double-edged sword in their mouth, that means they got something to talk to you about. 
Um, again, bringing up the issue with your father, once your father's eyes <laughs> have lost their fire, or maybe he will maintain that fire in his eyes, he's about ready to tell you something. And um, that's where the sword comes in. It's something that cuts to the bone. Again, we have the same wording describing the Bible. The Bible is like a double-edged sword that cuts to the bone. What that means is that it's got something to say, and you may not like it. And that's exactly what Jesus is portraying here. He's got something to say, and John may not like it, but it's not directed at John, and we'll see that here a little bit later. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Here's the reason why John is scared. Look at the description we've just seen. Can you imagine the fear? Not only that the look of Jesus, the way he was dressed, but the attitude coming from Jesus. And so he faints. Uh, he literally falls, obviously falls. And Jesus places his right hand on him. That, again, is a symbol of friendship. It's a symbol of comfort, not much different than we would do to a friend when we've been in a little bit of an argument, we stretch out our hand, put it on their shoulder, and say, you know, it's okay. We're good. You see now, but John's not having an argument with Jesus. Jesus is going to have an argument with the subject that's coming up in our next episode when we get into the letters to the churches. Listen to what Jesus says. Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. That's very explanatory there. Write, therefore, what you have seen, and what is now, and what will take place later. That is what Revelation is about. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are angels. I would say that we now have an understanding that a church has an angel over it, um, and so does a Christian. So we'll get into that as we study the letters. The angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches, and we'll dig into that when we get to the letters of the, uh, to the seven churches. My name again is Christine Wyke, and that's spelled W-E-I-C-K. I do have a book. That's exactly what I'm doing right here, a verse-by-verse -verse explanation of Revelation. You can acquire my book at Amazon.com. Just put in the words, explain this. It's bright orange. It will come up first on the search engine. I have a Kindle version, which is 99 cents. I uh, can't beat it. Not making a lot of money on that, but I have a message, and it's to understand Revelation. Or you can visit my website www.explainthis.us. Thank you, and I hope to get with you again next week as we get into Chapter 2.